Tired of jumping from job to job? How about a career in a recession-proof industry where you can make a difference and help create a healthier living and working environment? The pest management industry gives you the opportunity to work with more independence. OPC Pest Services will give you a chance to grow with advancement. Come be a part of our team at OPC Pest Services. Apply online at opcpest.com slash careers. That's opcpest.com slash careers. Where do you go to find all your favorite wine, beer, and spirits with selections customized to local tastes? For over 25 years, that go-to place has been Cox's Spirit Shop. Cox's, Louisville's go-to liquor store. now for The Drive with Mark Ennis, presented by Fitness Market on 93.9 The Ville. Fitness Market is Louisville's premier location for home and commercial fitness equipment and electric bikes. Find them online at thefitnessmarket.com. Now here's Mark Ennis. Welcome back into The Drive here on 93.9 The Ville. Mark Ennis here on a Tuesday. Happy to be joined now by friend of the show, Tyler Grieber from WDRB. Tyler, how is everything going, buddy? You doing all right? Yeah, man, not bad at all. Just uh, took a little time off uh, over the weekend, got back in uh, yesterday. So kind of getting my bearings straight. I made the joke on the air last night that all I got to do for the Louisville men to win a game is just leave town for a few days. So um, if Louisville fans would like to fund like, more time off for me to guarantee, guarantee that their team wins, I mean, I'm, I'm not going to fight you on it. So I, I don't know. I don't know how we do that, but uh, it was it was crazy to see that. Uh, a long time ago, Drew Diener told me, anytime you have somebody on, try to make news if you can. Uh, mm-hmm. And so it sounds like what we're the news that you and I are making here is you are admitting to everybody you are the black cloud. Yes, it is always whenever Kenny has used that phrasing, even it's because of me. I am the dark cloud. Yes, <laughs> I am the problem. Um, and I, I wear it. I wear it, and that's okay. I, I'm an accountable person, and we, you know, we can make it happen. It's all good. I, I teed up a chance for you to make a uh, a Taylor Swift lyrics reference there, and you did not do it. Oh. It disappoints me. Oh, it disappoints you. Wow. Okay. Yes, I listen. Uh, I'm pro Taylor Swift in this house. Oh no, I like Taylor Swift. I had a conversation about her recently with somebody where it was like, I totally respect everything she's accomplished recognize that she's like a, a pop culture icon, especially for my generation. Um, but I'm not somebody who like listens to her albums at home or anything. My fiance likes her, but I'm, yeah. I'm not like a, I'm not bumping T Swift a ton, but I respect her stuff. The, uh, the, there's a scene in the bear where he's, remember he's dropping his daughter off from school and he's like, I, she's leaving. He's like, I, I, I like Taylor Swift too. I just needed a break. He's like, <laughs> and that's how it, that's my experience of it as well. Yeah, she no, you know, she just missed an opportunity to be the Super Bowl halftime show this year. I mean, could you imagine what the the chaos that that would be happening with her current boyfriend playing in the game and her performing at halftime? That'd be amazing. That would be nuts. By the way, earlier yeah. today with uh, with Louis looked up some of the previous Super Bowl halftime shows from like before it became a big thing, and mm-hmm. it was just like a band, like a, a marching band, <laughs> yeah, stuff like that. And it's pretty wild how how little we used to really try to make that thing a spectacle. Oh, dude, it's evolved into a totally different animal. I still contend that Prince's halftime show was the best 
I mean, and, and he got a little help on that, too, because it, it starts to rain when he's oh, yeah. doing purple rain. I mean, come on. Like, that was that was unbelievable. I don't think that's ever getting topped. But we, we've seen some good ones. Yeah, I would say him uh, as a halftime performance. Uh, the rap kind of medley from a couple of years ago. Oh, yeah. That was way awesome. up there. Yeah, and, and for national anthems, nothing's ever going to beat Whitney Houston, and no one no. Uh, should, should even uh, try. Uh, no. Tyler, big picture things uh, for us uh, to talk about, kind of all over the place here. But uh, I enjoyed Eric and Rick uh, doing some banter about sort of like who's maddest between IU fans and Louisville fans and Kentucky fans because we've all got parallel but different uh, situations where they where we are with the coaches and programs and in their life cycles and that sort of thing. Where do where did you shake out uh, on all of that about who ought to be maddest because not none of them are happy right now. Uh, well, yeah, it's a it's a great question because I think all three are in like different spots. So you have like anger and frustration coming from different places. Um, obviously, with Louisville, I think everybody you know kind of accepted a while ago that this season was not going to go the way that uh, most people wanted, even with a, a nice win over the weekend. So uh, I've actually been curious. You and I have discussed this before too. Like how close to apathy are you and, and i don't i don't know some louisville fans seem like they're there most don't um so that's a hard one to to gauge but um you know uk's would just be from like the lingering disappointment feeling coming back like especially with the the way this team started the year and how dangerous they've looked on offense and you see the flashes of the freshmen and what they can do only to really get kind of bullied over these past four games they lost three or four and you know, gave up at least 94 points in two straight losses. So uh, I think the, the anger, I'd probably go with the U.K. from from this standpoint in that, like, the disappointment factor is building, and it's like a make-or-break year, I think, for Cal Perry. Um, and then where the IU fans are coming from, where it's like, oh, my gosh, maybe we really don't have our guy as the coach. You know, like, I think a lot of people were high on Mike Woodson after, you know, getting them back into the tournament the past couple of years and winning some recruiting battles, but – um, they've had a, they've been pretty rough, man. Ever since uh, you know this, the heart of Big Ten play really kicked into gear. It, it has not been pretty for them. So, uh, in a roundabout way, I'll go with Kentucky's fan base because you were so high for a bit, and now you're hitting a, a real patch of adversity, uh, and, and they got to answer it uh, starting tonight at Vanderbilt. Uh, you know, we've talked about here you know, our uh, surprise that Kenny's never been able to get Louisville to be. Uh, a, a, even a solid defensive team, much less a good one. Right. Cal, that right. n- that's typically not been an issue with Cal and Kentucky, but this year's team is not a good defensive team. What's going on over there? What's your diet? Yeah. Like, why aren't they good defensively when it's clear they've got athletes over there? Yeah, well, I think uh, on the one hand, defense in recent years maybe wasn't a whole team problem, but I feel like we had this discussion a lot when – you know, with Oscar and being a pick-and-roll defender and, and not being great at it. and But then it was like, all right, Kentucky, like, really needs a, a true shot blocker. Cal Perry always, always has a true shot blocker. Well, he's technically supposed to have three of those this year with three seven-footers, uh, especially a guy like, uh, you know, Onyenso. That's almost like his whole role. Um, but I think the problem is that they're just not guarding well on the ball. I mean, they, they're not – they're getting physically outmatched these past couple of games. Uh, I don't like to give the the youth and inexperience excuse because they are so talented, but 
there is going to be a physical difference between some older teams, more experienced teams, and them. And if you're the older team, then, yeah, I'm going to try and bang bodies down low or not even down low, just all over the court, make it as hard as possible because kids that young probably are not used to it yet. So I think, especially when you look maybe back at, like, the South Carolina game in Columbia, I thought that was a, a really good example of that. Um, but, you know, DJ Wagner being out doesn't help. Uh, I think they got to get him back. He's obviously more important um, than maybe we all uh previously thought at the beginning of the year we thought he was going to be you know maybe their best player tails off a little bit because reed shepherd's played so well dealing him as flashes but you're kind of seeing that he is important to this team uh but even when he's been out there the defense is still not quite good enough and, and the funniest thing is is that they don't even really have to be a great defensive team i think they just have to be average because they can score with anybody most nights um so it's it's weird. I don't think they're they're physical enough. I don't think that their guards are are good enough defenders on the perimeter. And I think Cal Perry would kill to just have Casey Wallace again, you know, hmm. for a year. He was he was such a good defensive player for them. Uh, and imagine if they just had him to help out uh, with these guards to, to at least just be a lockdown guy would be a huge benefit. Uh, how about uh, your reaction then uh, to Louisville beating Florida State? Uh, look, that's a team that has been a personnel and stylistic nightmare for louisville for years uh, yeah. now uh, but louisville plays extremely well on the offensive end uh and, mm-hmm. and, and plays uh, from ahead and really maintained that lead the entire game and i, I was even when it got down to four i, I never thought they were going to lose that game which felt very weird for me uh what were the the tyler griever vibes out of florida state well, the Tyler Griever vibes out of Florida State were uh, I was in Denver for a bachelor party <laughs> over the weekend. So I really wasn't keeping up with it a ton. And then I, I checked the score. Uh, I was just catching up on some stuff. And I'm like, oh, my God, not only did they win, they scored 100 points. Like, what, what happened here? Um, but we've seen them play pretty solid offense at times yeah. this season. So that part doesn't necessarily shock me. Um I think the biggest thing that could have came out of it was was the performance that, that Tyler Johnson had. I mean, they they need a really good distributor most of the time. We know that they don't move the ball around very well. Whether you want to argue that's the personnel or the system with the dribble drive, whatever, they're not a team known for racking up a ton of assists. So the fact that Tyler Johnson was able to have that kind of impact, racking up 11, is, is a big deal. And I think my biggest question coming out of that is, okay, he – he didn't start that game. He hasn't started a lot recently after having a little stretch where he did. Sky Clark playing or not playing, is this enough to finally just say, all right, Tyler Johnson's our, our point guard hmm. the rest of the season. We're starting him there. You live with the ups and downs. And my personal opinion on that would be that's the right move to make. And Because I think him and Sky have played decently together when they're on the court but in that situation sky's not the primary ball handler it would be tyler johnson so um i think we know what his flaws are you know i think he shows off a few too many emotions at times he's you know he's like slapped the ball in frustration or gotten into some uh some tips here and there that results in a technical or like a dumb reach or something but that's just being a a young player you know i think you got to live with that uh, especially at this point so that's a huge development for them, but I just kind of want to see how it shakes out because now you don't even have the any depth really behind those two because Hersey Miller, who could have at least just given them a break here and there, is out for the year. So uh, the backcourt is probably the most intriguing thing to me uh, to watch moving forward. 
We're talking with Tyler Griever from WDRB. Uh, Tyler, you got a uh, a feel for the Super Bowl uh, coming up this weekend? Uh, I I feel like I'm. I was yeah, dread. Actually, yeah. Well, dread. maybe I'm. Maybe I'm so like jaded by my how wrong I was about the AFC Championship game that yeah. it feels like I have to pick the Chiefs because of how badly right. I, mis- I, I misunderestimated them uh, in the AFC Championship yeah. game. No, I feel similar in a way. I, I, I think the Chiefs have entered that territory where it's just really hard to pick against them. They're just, they, they made a habit of this. Um, but it's weird because I, I was having a conversation with the guys in the office today. Like, I do think San Francisco matches up with them decently. You know, I mean, they, they run the ball. They have arguably the best running back on the planet, and not only is he a great runner, but he can kill you out of the backfield, and that's something that I think you can do against the Chiefs is, is throw to the running back, uh, throw to your tight end. You know, George Kittle obviously could be a huge deal, and I wouldn't forget about a guy like Kyle Juszczyk either who is as utility uh, – how am I trying to put this? He's as much of a, a utility player as like a fullback can be. I mean, he's physical. He can catch passes. He's really athletic. Uh, he actually he started his career in Baltimore before going to San Francisco. Um, so I'm interested to see how many, like, you know, are they going to run some heavy sets to really try and, and pound the ball and let Purdy work off play action? You know, basically, I just want to know, are you going to go the complete opposite direction that the Ravens did in the AFC Championship game? Like, actually try to attack – not a glaring weakness, but a weakness of what's a good defense, and that's going to be pounding the ball, uh, not giving up on it, and trying to really work through McCaffrey and Kittle, which those are two; those are not two bad guys to work off of. Yeah, I just feel like at this point uh, you'd be a fool uh, to pick against Kansas City in these moments, uh, yeah. and really more than anything else. I the, the longer we keep doing this, for me at least, like the more I hold what that Cincinnati team did by going and winning there uh, on yeah. in the playoffs in, in higher and higher and higher esteem uh, because of how obviously difficult it is to ever beat these freaking guys in the playoffs. Well, you got to play clean. Uh, I mean, I think that's one of the biggest things is that the Chiefs have taken on some Patriots characteristics or or tendencies, and like they're not going to make a, many mistakes to beat themselves. Um, and when you have an opportunity to land a haymaker or a really solid counterpunch, like, you got to take them. You know, you cannot lose those. And But, you know, I talk about how the, the Niners match up with them. Like, the Chiefs have the two biggest advantages, and this is pretty much in every game. They have the better quarterback, and they have the better head coach. And I'm not, I don't even dislike Kyle Shanahan. I don't. But when it comes to Andy Reid and Patrick Mahomes and their marriage that they've had, it's very Brady-Belichick-ish to me. Seemed like the, just the right marriage at the right time. And if you've got a head coach and quarterback advantage, you're going to win most of the time. So that that's why I would I would stick with picking Kansas City. Um, I do think it will be a very good game. I do, but uh, I have not officially bet on it yet. I'll, I'll take a look at it probably a little closer to game day. See if I can uh, take advantage of some boosts. But I I will probably be going with Kansas City. Do you enjoy any of the Super Bowl prop bets? Do you ever partake in any? Yeah. Of <laughs> no, I haven't. Um, well, maybe since this is this is like our first fully legal opportunity to bet on the Super Bowl here in Kentucky, I guess, now that I think about it. So um, maybe I'll look a little more into it uh, this year. Like, as a whole, I don't mind, like, just generic betting, like some prop parlays here and there, like a nice little free, free four-legger or something. I'll probably put something together like that with some matchups that I like. 
Um, but I probably won't get too crazy. Like I'm not going to bet on how long the anthem's going to run. You know, like, I'm, I'm not doing all that. No way. Um, I mean, I don't know. Maybe if there's a nice profit to be made, I'll reconsider. But uh, as of now, no. Nothing crazy like that. We're talking with uh, Tyler Griever from WDRB. Uh, Tyler, what's the what do you make of the uh, the coaching carousel discourse that's going on uh, around mm-hmm. here and, and names that seem relevant to this job and maybe which ones seem uh, to you far fetched even uh, at this point? In things. Uh, well, I think you got a pretty. A uh, good look at one last night with what Jerome Tang and Kansas State were able to do uh, against Kansas. You know, I, I had to look it up because I, I used to cover both programs. Like, Bruce Weber coached K-State for 10 seasons. He only had three wins against Bill Self in Kansas. Like, Tang's already got two hmm. in two years. Um, that's not easy to do at all. I mean, Kansas, as much as it pains me to say it as, as a Mizzou alum, like, I mean, Kansas has been as consistent as anybody over the past however long self has been the coach there and uh the gap between k-state and ku you know we i think we look at a lot of things around here in the lens of like the kentucky louisville rivalry well at least louisville has been able to claim at certain times that you know we're a national championship program we consistently expect to be in the final four and and, you know k-state can't really claim that like not not as not nearly to the effect of louisville they're not even in the same conversation um, so that gap between you and your in-state rival is that much larger. And I think Jerome Tang has done a really nice job in competing with KU in, in just two years. Now, I'm not speaking on Tang because I'm like, oh, this is the guy I think is going to get the job. I think it's a guy they should take a really hard look at for the job uh, if he is interested. And you would have to go back to, if you're looking like for a crack in the armor to say, oh, would he even be interested? I really don't think that whole Tom Naquan Tomlin situation went down the way that Tang and his coaching staff wanted it to at, at K State. Yeah, and I think there was some some frustration there between them and the administration, and like just not trusting. I, if I have this right, I think the staff really wanted to keep it on the team, and I don't know all the details about what happened, so don't don't take what I'm saying, you know, fully as truth here. But um, but the president basically stepped in and said, "Nah, you know, we're done with that." Well, you know, he's, he's moving on. So, I don't know. Ever since that, I looked at Tang's situation a little differently um, because at first I was like, oh, you know, this is a perfect marriage. He's having success. You know, the campus loves him, all that. But when, when little stuff like that happens, your ears just perk up a little bit, and you, you just want to see where it goes. So, um, in terms of the whole landscape, I made my feelings on Beard known. Still don't think it's a good idea for Louisville. Don't think they can afford that kind of PR. Uh, and rightly so, I would agree with them on that. Uh, no one's questioning he's, he can coach with anybody. Uh, other guys, like, you know, Musselman, I, just, I don't know, man. Like, Arkansas is, this is rough for them this year. They did not look good. And, and, I mean, we were coming into the year saying Arkansas has got all these guards and these transfers or whatever, and, it, and it's, it hasn't gone well. It hasn't gone well really at all. I mean, I think the guy can coach. I think he's... He'd be a solid hire, but I think you're meeting it with a little more skepticism than you used to, uh, if that makes sense. Tyler Griever, WDRB, thank you so much uh, for the time, as always, uh, buddy. What's uh, what's on tap? What's coming up for the rest of this week with WDRB, bud? Oh, we're just rocking and rolling, man. I mean, uh, Eric and Rick are doing a great job with overtime. If you haven't watched on the WDRB Plus app, uh, 
they they record every Monday and Thursday. Uh, I think they do a great job of of keeping it engaging and and having some fun. And uh, I think tomorrow was signing day. You know, we'll probably hear some from Jeff Brom, of course, which yeah. you know everybody wants to hear from Jeff Brom after they pulled in what twenty four transfers. That was that was the mm-hmm. total size of that class. Um, so we'll we'll have a lot of coverage on that uh, tomorrow and hopefully share some good stuff. But uh, yeah, man, you know, the same old same old over here. You just you just keep trucking. Uh, keep working in a market that never stops. All right. We'll talk to you again soon, Tyler. Thank you so much, bud. All right, bud. See you. All right. Tyler Griever, WDRB. Good stuff uh, from him. As uh, always there, I did want to mention uh, that we referenced uh, late last week that Tennessee, the uh, the attorneys general in Tennessee and Virginia had taken the NCAA to court over NIL restrictions. Uh, and were seeking an injunction or a, uh, a restraining order on the NCAA from uh, enforcing any of their rules around NIL and recruiting. And they, uh, I think to a lot of people's surprise, uh, the the case continues on, but their request for a total restraining order was denied. Uh, and so the recruiting restrictions and the transfer restrictions that were both, I think, the, the subjects of these lawsuits uh, are still in place. I think there were a lot of people who were expecting kind of the the NIL and transfer lid to just be thrown off uh, with a restraining order being granted here. Uh, and to, I think to a whole lot of people's surprise, uh, it wasn't. It was not granted, basically saying there's no urgent kind of uh, danger of, uh, of these folks being damaged in any way. So we're just going to continue on to trial. They're probably still going to lose, I would think. Uh, because that's just kind of what the NCAA does in court is lose. Uh, but the request for a restraining order and kind of the, the door just being immediately thrown open on these things uh, was denied. And I do find that at least a little bit surprising. Yeah, I'm not going to pretend like I, like I obviously remember the lawsuit happening last week, but didn't seem to be that I'm not. I just never read one way or another on that one. Yeah, I, I don't really know that I uh, would, again, read much more into it than. Uh, it didn't seem like such a uh, an urgent thing that they were willing to to just sort of legally step in and stop the NCA from from enacting things uh, here. But kind of a fascinating couple of days uh, for in the world of college sports. If you combine all of these things kind of together, uh, you've got the SEC and the Big Ten are forming an advisory committee uh, while the college football playoff is meeting. And while the SEC and the Big Ten are forming this uh, advisory committee uh, regarding you know new NCAA legislation and just sort of the general way we do things in the uh, in college sports, uh, it is we now learned that Fox and ESPN and Discovery are working on uh, an app or a kind of a bundled sports streaming service uh, that you can just sort of attach to any of the ESPNs or Hulu's or uh, or any of that uh, or Max. And all of the sports will be available. They will co-run it, and they will co-share uh, the the content and the the money out of it. I have no idea how that's going to work, Spencer. I don't have the first clue how that all will work, but it certainly seems like we just decided. They at least decided it'll just be easiest if we make the sports app. I mean, that's kind of the dream. Obviously, is to have like one app. Like if, like I mean, again, like you said earlier, you pay for all these different streaming services, but it would be easier if there was like a place where 
everything's there, and it's all like Amazon Prime. Everything's there, but you got to pay for certain programming or movies if they're not free. Which that'd be nice if everything was free on that. But sure. I get it, it's a business. Same thing with these apps. Like, yeah, it'd be nice if you can go to one place and it's like just scrolling through. It's like, oh, well, let me see this, you know, pit Yukon game that's looking fascinating or whatever. You just find a game you want to watch. It could be any sport, obviously. So I'm excited. I'm optimistic for this, but I feel like it's going to be like really glitchy at first. It's just odd uh, for each of these. You know, I think we've thought of streaming's like the future of how we're going to watch everything but we've thought of these companies as in this kind of a mortal death lock with each other uh in in constant competition and now here they are they're just going to make a streaming app for sports together it just seems like an odd each of them laying their arms down right like, I, I find it surprising but it's it makes me nervous that the SEC and the Big Ten are trying to work together, and Fox and ESPN and Discovery are all trying to work together. Until I until I get some sense that Louisville's going to end up on the right side of all of that, it makes me nervous. Yeah, I, I just think that, like you said, it's kind of above like our thinking of like what's the best case for Louisville because like I think the end game is more like the pro market is having all those. But like you said, I mean the conferences are you know the Big Ten left ESPN and. Having like I guess one umbrella, maybe that's the case for the future. So with the NCAA tournament, like that's a CBS and Turner, they own the rights for that exclusively. But if you have this like app that's going to stream every single sport, I guess you could assume you watch it up there too if you wanted to. Well, it looks like that's uh, what we uh, are headed for. I did want to remind uh, you guys if you're looking for a super offer for Super Bowl Fifty Eight, DraftKings Sportsbook, they have you uh, covered. Uh, their new customers can bet on the big game and turn five bucks into two hundred instantly in bonus bets. And with the DraftKings, uh, the same game parlays. Everyone's got a shot at an even bigger win for Super Bowl Fifty Eight. So you can string together multiple bets from a big game uh, for a shot at making your payday even sweeter. Even if you just want to get around uh, again and bounce around in there, you, this would be one of your rare opportunities to get the Chiefs and points, which is what. I, I feel like would be a smart bet, but I'm not sure. Can't wait to talk to Fat Jack about that. But you can get in there and kind of poke around and construct your own bet uh, the way you want to. But you have to download the DraftKings Sportsbook app now and use promo code DeVille uh, when you do so. New customers are going to bet 5 bucks to instantly get 200 in bonus bets. Only on the DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of Super Bowl 58 with promo code DeVille. Uh, the crown is yours. If you have a gambling problem, call 1-800-GAMBLER. You got to be 18 or older and physically present in Kentucky. Bonus bets expire 168 hours after issuance. Eligibility and deposit restrictions also apply. All the terms can be found at sportsbook.draftkings.com slash football terms here. Let's take a quick break here. One more. Come back. We'll wrap things up by a, a little of NFL and Super Bowl discussion with Jason Lock on four. On the other side here, on the drive on I thumb the vote. Be right back. Tired of jumping from job to job? How about a career in a recession-proof industry where you can make a difference and help create a healthier living and working environment? The pest management industry gives you the opportunity to work with more independence. OPC Pest Services will give you a chance to grow with advancement. Come be a part of our team at OPC Pest Services. Apply online at opcpest.com careers. That's opcpest.com careers. 
Where do you go to find all your favorite wine, beer, and spirits with selections customized to local tastes? For over 25 years, that go-to place has been Cox's Spirit Shop. Cox's, Louisville's go-to liquor store. Taking care of your family isn't always easy, so we make sure getting care when you need it is. With Baptist Health Urgent and Virtual Care, we bring you more options and greater convenience, too. With video visits available 24-7 and online check-in through MyChart for in-person visits. To check in online or to set up a video visit, go to baptisthealth.com slash care anywhere. When it's time to replace your heating and air system, we know people want options. That's why you'll always get a free second opinion with BJ Heating and Cooling. Plus, for a limited time, get 0% financing for 60 months on a new Bryant system. Call the experts you can trust at BJ Heating and Cooling. to The Drive, presented by Fitness Market, right here on 93.9 The Ville. Now, here's Mark Ennis. Welcome back into The Drive here on 93.9 The Ville. Mark Ennis and Spencer and I here on a Tuesday. Uh, if you want to try to squeeze in here, you can. 8150-939 in just a couple of minutes. We'll talk uh, with Jason Locken for about some, uh, some Super Bowl uh, storylines and some off-season storylines in the NFL. And, of course, he's in Baltimore, so we'll talk uh, with him a little bit about the disappointment that was uh, the end of the Ravens uh, season uh, and, and maybe how long that will linger, uh, your fears uh, about that as, a, obviously, people who root uh, for Lamar uh, in Baltimore because I worry about that. I worry about a loss like that lingering. We've heard so many people uh, talk about the losing in the AFC and NFC championship games is the worst of all. Uh, it's like the least satisfying and the hardest, I think, to sort of re-energize and come back uh, next year. But Lamar also seems to be an awfully, awfully uh, competitive guy. Uh, yeah, that's why I like what, you know, Dan Campbell's very frank after they lost to the Forest. Like, we may never get this chance again. Like, that's just the reality. Like, Phillip Rivers had, I think, one shot, like, 08. Or it was like the 07, like, they played the undefeated Patriots team there. He never got back to that stage again. And, like, obviously the famous Marino with the Super Bowl, but... At least you can say you made the Super Bowl. Like you said, that conference series game loss has this thing. Like we're still three, four years now removed from Josh Allen, and he hasn't made it back to that stage yet. So that is definitely the reality. So like Dan Campbell, like he knows the reality of the business. He's like, look, you may never make it back to the stage. That's the reality of this game. And I think Campbell's a hell of a coach. But the NFC, like it's wide open. But it's it's also double edged sword. It's wide open that like the Eagles, they'll probably be back. Cowboys, if they could get their act together, they could make a run potentially. And there's other teams that, you know, just get a couple games lucky, you make it to the conference title game. So that is like a big worry. And I really want to see Lamar make it back because I would hate to be, you know, 10 years down the line and we're looking at Lamar never made it back to the big one. Yeah, I, I think it would be a big, uh, a tremendous disappointment. But, hey, it's it's really hard. Like, it's, it's just extremely hard. Uh, to get there, and, and it's it is the unfortunate legacy of the Patriots and Brady that we think it's normal for teams to win all the time and for players to play really, really, really well, uh, absurdly long amounts of time, 
uh, I was mentioning this uh, when I was on uh, with Louie earlier. Uh, you know, we are extremely fortunate as football fans that like, Lamar Jackson and Pat Mahomes and Josh Allen and Joe Burrow and Justin Herbert, these guys, uh, Jordan Love, like these guys, uh, CJ Stroud now, they're young. Like we've got a 10 more good years of just the guys I named to say nothing of people who are coming after. Uh, like Caleb Williams and Drake May this year, or Trevor Lawrence, or some others, you know that are that are sort of mixed in there uh, as well. We are at Brock Party, I guess. Uh, like we're, we're very fortunate that we've got a lot more time with those guys. But Brady still has distorted everybody's view uh, because oh, absolutely. because like I can remember when Dan Marino was in his early 30s, and I thought he looked like my dad. You know, like I thought he just looked like a like an old man. And now we think that all these guys should play well into their 30s or 40s. Well, I mean, you bring up, you know, Brock Purdy, like, tongue-in-cheek, but, like, 10 years ago, who would have thought Kirk Cousins would still be playing in the NFL? Like, he was a fourth-round pick, and they took RG3 second overall in that year. In the same year. draft, In yeah. the same draft. Like, who would have thought, like, Kirk Cousins would still be, and now, you know, he's the headline free agent this year, which that may say more about the free agent class than anything else, but Kirk Cousins still played at a high level. Like, this quarterbacks that, you know, come and go, like, Trevor Lawrence, last year, showed a lot of bright spots. This year, not so much. And I don't know if it's the team around him or the coaching or whatever. There's a lot of factors, but like we're in good hands in the NFL. The offenses are top notch. I mean, we're your team and my team aren't. We'll see. Uh, Liam Cohn was yeah. uh, singing Baker Mayfield's praises today, but we'll see. I don't it, know. I, I'm hoping. Like I know some people love him. I don't want Drake May in New England. Like I'm not. Like his freshman. You're not a year, believer. His freshman year at UNC was good. This year, up and down. Like if I had my pick of the litter. Like, I, I'm writing Caleb off. He's going number one. I want Jay and Daniels. Like, I'm not super high on him, but, like, of the choice between May and Daniels, give me Daniels. Interesting. Uh, you're not, So, you're just not a, uh, a Drake May believer? Not really. I mean, I'll talk myself into it if they draft him. Don't get me wrong. Uh, and I, ideal world, we take, you know, Marvin Harrison at three and then take a quarterback later, but I, I don't see us going that we're out. I did not realize uh, that he's related to the May that hit the big shot on the uh, uh, the basketball team. Yeah, they they. I had no idea. UNC, if you watch any of their games, they shove that down your throat a lot. Is that I don't watch them. Yeah, I'm I've, sorry. I've just happened to tune in. Like they were Georgia Tech lost or whatever. Like yeah, the whole May family. It's like UNC. There's like one brother like went somewhere else, but like the whole May family, they're kind of like royalty to uh, North Carolina. I didn't. Well, they should be. I mean, you send a shot that uh, beats Kentucky and sends the team to the Final Four. You're you're gonna live forever. Oh yeah, that was. I remember watching that with some Kentucky fans, and they're like, "Your team lost." I'm like, I don't care. I'm gonna be shut and froing this the entire night now. Yeah, it gave us uh, one of the all time great reaction videos of that uh, yes, Kentucky fans in the bar, and, and yes, and the one uh, inexplicably weird random fan who just flicks off the TV. Remember that the guy in the front. I just, I'm just mirroring the guy in the Kentucky jersey that's just like... That's the one. I don't remember him flipping off the camera, though. I just remember him, like, the dejection after the shot goes in. By the way, you'll love this. Uh, the Bucks uh, are, after interviewing or hiring Liam Cohen, they are interviewing Iowa's special teams coordinator, LeVar Woods, for their special teams coordinator job. So, Woof. I mean, if you're... Uh, who... I don't know if I want Iowa's special teams coordinator if I'm like on offense, right? You know, I'd be like, what are you trying to say? Yeah. It's like, oh, you're <laughs> punting the ball. <laughs> Iowa's punter goes second round to the Bucks now. Uh, well, Wouldn't be the first special team player to go second no, round to the Bucks. It wouldn't, unfortunately. Oh, God. You, you had to bring that up. 
I brought Ricky Pro and Roberto Aguirre. I know. What are you doing today, man? Golly. Just bring up Tyree tomorrow at some point. Oh, we don't have to do any of this. There's no need for that. By the way, I have loved uh, all of the people who have been asking some version of basically like, are you going to propose to Taylor Swift after the Super Bowl? Like, is there going to be another ring? And just how he's trying to possibly deal with all of that. You talk about putting a guy on the freaking spot. Come on. Yeah, and then they asked Patrick Mahomes, like, oh, how about your dad getting arrested with, like, a DWI? It's like, <laughs> what, what do you – like, I get it's I know. a noteworthy event, but, like, come on, like, read the room. He's not going to talk about his dad getting arrested. And why would you want to ask him about that at this point? Yeah, like, it just takes away from the moment. It's like asking Andy Reid when, like, his son, whatever the incident was with his son a few years ago, where his, like, killed a guy yeah. or whatever. Yeah, his son was involved in a uh... – Traffic uh, accident there that resulted in uh, a young lady that was, I think, paralyzed uh, from it uh, as well. So, yeah, not not a good situation there. But, like, right, just sitting there at these, like, buffet tables, no. You don't normally get very good answers asking about those sorts of things there. I wouldn't think. All right, did want uh, to remind you guys uh, again one last time near about our friends uh, at the DraftKings Sportsbook. They are an official sports betting partner of these Wonderful NFL playoffs and new customers can bet on the big game coming up this weekend. Turn five bucks into 200 instantly in bonus bets. And with the DraftKings same game parlays, everyone's got a shot at an even bigger win for Super Bowl 58. So string together multiple bets from the big game and you can do all that. Make it a shot to maybe make your payday even a little bit sweeter. Uh, Maybe you could bet on the Chiefs like I might. Bet the over like I feel like I'm leaning towards as well. Some of those fun parlays that we all know come along with the Super Bowl. So download the DraftKings Sportsbook app now. Use promo code TheVille. New customers can bet 5 bucks to get 200 instantly in bonus bets only on the DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of Super Bowl 58 with promo code TheVille. The crown, it is yours. If you have a gambling problem, call 1-800-GAMBLER. you got to be 18 or older and physically present in Kentucky. Bonus bets expire 168 hours after issuance. Eligibility and deposit restrictions apply. All these terms can be found at sportsbook.draftkings.com. Dots or dot com slash football terms. Excuse me. Sorry about uh, that. All right. We said we were going to talk with Jason Lockin for here to wrap things up here. And here you go. Joining us now here on the drive on ninth time, the NFL insider, Jason Lockin for Jason, before we talk about uh, the Super Bowl, I wondered if we could just back up to uh, Baltimore related stuff here. We, we are Ravens affiliate. Everybody here pretty much in the tank for Lamar in the digesting of the AFC championship game and kind of the disappointment that went on there. What, um, what are the biggest takeaways for, uh, from this outside of just the criticism of kind of the overall game plan from that game? Sure. Well, I, I mean, it, it... I'd like to tell you there's more layers to it, but, I, I mean, they beat themselves. And um, whether this was a horribly constructed game plan on Tuesday and Wednesday that nobody intervened, um, by nobody I mean John Harbaugh, to remedy, or, or whether um, it was just horribly called by um, Todd Munkin and, and horribly executed by Lamar Jackson, the bottom line is they had no business losing that game that way and none of their excuses none of their trite BS about we couldn't do this or we couldn't do that or they took this away. They, they never tried to run the ball. Lamar never seemed um, interested in activating his legs nearly to the degree they needed it, and they didn't call scripted runs for him. And whether he was opting out of, you know, runs with check with me's and, and getting them into passes or whether Todd Munkin, you know, again, who, who this stink is all over him, uh, 
whether he just had a, an incredible four quarters of brain farts, I, I don't know. But, I mean, that's why they lost. Uh, you know, they didn't lose because they were in two-minute offense. You weren't in two-minute offense. You had the ball with 247 left, three, t- three timeouts plus the two-minute warning, down one score knowing Kansas City gets the ball back. You start the second half, and you start to drive at midfield, and you decide even then you're not going to run a four-minute offense and try to take time off the clock and at least kick a field goal. You know, you're pass-happy there. They were pass-happy everywhere. Um, I love Lamar. We're staunch defenders of Lamar. I believe if you gave Lamar truth serum, he was fighting ghosts. And, and not only did he want to out Mahomes Mahomes, but he wanted to out Mahomes the Mahomes that wasn't even playing in that game. He wanted to out Mahomes 2019. He wanted out, you know, Mahomes 2019 Mahomes, the 50 touchdown Mahomes. Not the Mahomes who was dinking and dunking and, and just keeping plays alive and taking what was given. Um, that was not a day for deep shots and, 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 and weird play calling and, you know, cute two-man routes to nowhere, you know, throwing balls down the sideline that had no chance of piercing that defense. Uh, even when they faced six-man boxes, they didn't run. Like, the idea that they took away the run with eight-man boxes, first of all, when you play opposite football, and you have to defend the quarterback in the run game, eight-man boxes was no big deal for this team for years. And a six-man box certainly ain't a big deal. But, they, they hey, I don't know, man. Um, you know, watching it with my kids in the upper deck, I can just tell you it was disgusting. For them to have their season end that way, trying to be something they're not, showing off for God knows who, uh, is a shame because everybody in Section 538 just wanted them to run the damn ball and win that game. <laughs> but that wasn't in the cards. What are the like the off season now? Uh, what's the sense that like the, uh, a window? I hate that terminology, but you know what I mean when yeah. I ask you about that. Uh, about like how much the, the changes that are coming to this team, the big storylines that are going to dominate the off season well, here. I, I mean, it's it's hard to think that defense is going to do what it did again. Um, and the offense is going to have to do more. And, that, and, and, and I, you can sit here and tell me, well, they scored 32 points a game at home, and I'll say, yeah, they did. Um, but <laughs> their seasons are measured in the postseason now. And yeah. uh, there's been too much offensive failure. The defense is, is – go back to the totality of Lamar's tenure here. Defense has given up about 18 a game in the playoffs, and they're not winning games. So um, – they're rebuilding the defensive staff. I mean, obviously they lost their defensive coordinator. They lost his two top lieutenants. They're all, you know, running other people's defenses or running other people's football teams. So uh, there's going to be some brain drain there. Um, you know, I, I don't think Patrick Queen is coming back, so they're not going to have that dynamic duo at linebacker. Um, you know, there's going to be some other cap casualties, maybe a safety, maybe a corner. Uh, and, and just to think, like, it. Never in the history of the league had a defense led the NFL in scoring takeaways and sacks. To think they're going to do that back-to-back years without Patrick Queen, maybe without Marlon Humphrey, without Mike McDonald, without Denard Wilson, without Anthony Weaver, um, you know, maybe without Jadavion Clowney, or certainly not a 10-sack Jadavion Clowney. I don't think that dude exists next year. You know, without getting what they got out of Van Noy. I'd say that's a tough ask. So the, there's going to be even more on the offense. It's not year one under Todd Munkin anymore. You know, it's year two. And Lamar's going to win an MVP in year one. So um, they need to rebuild the, the wide receiver room for sure. Um, you know, do they bring a J.K. Dobbins back after all his injuries? You know, is Keaton Mitchell going to be ready for the first sometime in the first month of the season? You know, that's a lot of explosion at running back that they lost this year. Um, the offensive line needs help. I don't think you can run Ronnie Stanley back out there at left tackle and think you're going to get, you know, 
20 games, including playoffs, out of him. Um, I don't think you can run Morgan Moses back at right tackle for another four months and think that's going to hold up. So uh, they've got some work to do, without a doubt. Uh, and a lot will be on Lamar's shoulders. A lot's always on Lamar's shoulders. And they'll win three out of every four games they play in the regular season because that's what they do. And we'll be back here next January, and there'll be 70,000, 75,000 people in that stadium. And they'll be waiting to see if regular season Lamar shows up in the playoffs. We're talking with Jason Lockenfor here on the drive on Ninth Avenue. Jason, uh, what intrigues you most about this Super Bowl matchup? Uh, this is—I don't yeah. know—it's a matchup maybe with people that weren't dying for kind of a, re, uh, a rematch between these teams. But what's interesting about yeah. this version of these two teams matching up? Well, it's just for me, it's the Chiefs. I mean, if, if the Chiefs win this game, then you know Patrick Mahomes is halfway home to Tom Brady, basically. Yeah. Uh, and on a faster pace than Tom Brady, which is ridiculous. And frankly, being asked to do more in the first iteration of the Patriots dynasty than Brady himself was asked to do. I mean, early on, he's handing off to Antoine Smith. He's handing off to Corey Dillon. They're trying to hold on to the ball for 36 minutes, and they're winning with defense, right? And then the second you know, iteration of that dynasty was a very different situation with the two tight end, you know, attack and then the undefeated regular season with Randy Moss and Gronk. But, like, that's not how they were doing it in 2005, 2006. So for Mahomes to have basically hit the ground running, playing better in the playoffs than the regular season, historically better. I mean, he's got the best quarterback rating in postseason history. It's not even really close if you compare him to modern people. You know, like, if you take – you know, the, the, the Bobby Lanes and, and you know, the, uh, you know, the Bart Stars out of it. Like, there's not a whole lot of dudes in the modern era as much as they throw with quarterback ratings of 107 in the postseason. I mean, even Brady and Manning, their, their, their quarterback ratings drop like everybody else in the postseason because you're playing defenses. Not Mahomes. And, and what Andy Reid's done in his second act in Kansas City, I mean, if, if they get three this quickly, and as young as Mahomes is, I mean, you, you could have had one dynasty that we said no one will ever touch literally dovetail into another one that, that might even surpass it on some levels because of what Mahomes can do physically that Brady couldn't. So that, for me, is, is looking at what's going to resonate here. Um, you're talking about Andy Reid. Like, Andy Reid might pass Don Shula. Yeah. Like, I don't think it's going to be Belichick at this point. It could be Andy Reid. So I think it's kind of all about that. And then if Shanahan won, then he'd have a monkey off his back, obviously. Um, but the, the, what the Chiefs are doing is utterly ridiculous. It, you, you know, we just talked about the Chiefs, and you just mentioned Mahomes and, and his numbers and their performance with him, and all that is true. Does the fact that like we're just so focused on him and Kelsey and the offense and Reed and all of that, like, will we ever truly appreciate the fact that at least this year they have a, an elite defense? It just seems like they almost, no matter what they do, they don't get credit for that part of it. Yeah, I certainly do. Um, no, they've done it with defense. I mean, last week, again, what did, what did they, it was a dink and dunk offense. Yeah, I mean, for sure. Nobody could match up on Kelsey. They tried six different defenders. No one could shut him down. Even when Kyle Hamilton smothered him, he still caught a 19-yard touchdown pass. So other than that, it was, it was, there was, I mean, you know, it was, it was just taking what they give you and, and extending plays on third down and fourth down and keeping drives alive with, with, with his vision and his brilliance mentally and physically, but otherwise it was pretty boring and nondescript. I mean, the last 23 runs with running backs went for 50 yards, and they just kept doing it because 
for 36 minutes and play keep away and we'll tire their defense out and we'll win you know we'll win 17-10 that's fine with us those guys seem like they want to win 34-17 we'll just win 17-10 um it is the defense it's the best defense he's had um it's been an elite scoring defense all year they kind of they want you to run on them i'm convinced at this point spags is fine with you running on them he's just not going to give up the big play but they're going to they're going to stick to their shells um he's a genius about when he brings his pressure um and they're 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 timely, and they've started to turn people over, which they didn't in the playoffs, which they didn't do in the regular season. So, Andy Reid's acknowledged it. Look again, Pacheco's first two runs went for twelve and seven yards. The rest of the day, the running backs ran twenty three times, four times as much as the Ravens' running backs ran the ball, and they did it uh, for just fifty yards. It wasn't all about the defense. It was about don't f this up for the defense. Don't turn it over. Like even with the greatest quarterback ever, it was about. Game management at the most simplistic level. And that's a nod to what Spags is doing on the other side, shutting down the MVP on a day, again, where Todd Munkin and Lamar want to play with two legs tied behind their back. So um, I, I hope they're getting their national recognition. That they, they, you know, they certainly are here in Baltimore. Um, and, and I think that they're going to have uh, – I think Brock Purdy's in for uh, a rough afternoon. Yeah, I was going to ask you about the other side of that, that quarterback matchup there. Lots going to be made of that, and we know what everybody thinks about Mahomes, but you either seems like people either love Purdy uh, or they just feel like at, at any point he will turn back into a pumpkin. Uh, where are you maybe on that spectrum of Purdy well, he, belief? Well, he's been a pumpkin in the playoffs, but, it, yeah. you know, um, it, it, the, unfortunately for the other team, he's a slippery pumpkin. And <laughs> so, you know, interceptions keep falling to the ground. And I mean, if you go back to the Ravens game, uh, he's played five games. Uh, True Media has a metric called uh, turnover-worthy throws. Hmm. His last five games, 7.1% of his throws are turnover-worthy throws. The league average is 3.5. Hmm. You know, yet he only has a couple of picks. I mean, he had four in the Ravens game, but only a couple outside of that. Like, a 43% interception dropped rate over his last five games. Like, is that is that – I mean, that's luck. There is luck. Like, luck plays a role in this. Like – um, his first halves have been god awful. Um, like I, 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 you know, that's fine. Like you, 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 I got news for you. If the Lions' defensive back picks that ball off, we probably see Sam Darnold in that game. That's where it was headed. Now, you know, he got a gift from the football gods, and he threw it to a youth one more time, and they got a touchdown, and then they got a turnover, and then McCaffrey got him a touchdown, and all of a sudden the kids, you know, he, he's he's back to even, like. Did he have a whole lot to do with that? Like, am I watching the same game as these other people? Like, he's lucky he didn't throw three picks in that game. They should have never beat Green Bay. He was a big part of the reason why they should have never beat Green Bay. So, yeah, I, 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 you know, we'll see. Maybe he still has a horseshoe up his backside one more time, or, or, or maybe not. Um, but I love him to throw a pick in this game. That's certainly a prop that I'm all over. And if he throws one in the first half, like I think he will, then I'll be betting that again at halftime over one and a half interceptions. Uh, Jason, did you mention Bill Belichick just a little bit uh, earlier? It's newsworthy that he interviewed in some places, didn't get a job, and Mike Vrabel didn't get a job, despite it seems like the public opinion about them is both still pretty positive. Your your degree of surprise that neither of them were hired somewhere else, uh, yeah. and what, you, what you read into either of those. Um, I've been writing about the Belichick situation at the Washington Post since October, and everyone I talk to in this league, who I respect um, and who is, you know, run football teams or top coaching agents. They said all along, I mean, my reporting's been 
been steadfast. Very limited market, and very unlikely he gets a job. And and that's that's the case. So I'm I'm not surprised at all about it. Like the idea that Rich McKay was letting him in the Atlanta Falcons building is laughable. I mean, if Arthur Blank wanted to hire Bill Belichick, then he should have fired Rich McKay before he started the process. Because Rich McKay and everybody in football operations were going to gang up on that owner and make damn sure that Bill Belichick get, didn't get in the building. Because if he does, we're done. We're cooked. Yeah. You know, the, the ruse is up. We can't bamboozle this owner anymore. We can't steal his money anymore. Um, so, uh, no, I'm not. And then, no, who else was going to talk to him? I mean, he's going to be 72 years old. You know, who's running these, these searches? And are the people running these searches going to have the stomach? For Bill Belichick. And, and he's not going to tell you what you want to hear. He's going to tell you what he really thinks when you ask him about why your crappy franchise is so crappy. So, no, I'm not surprised. The, the Vrabel one, yes, um, I am. And I think several people will, will quickly regret that they didn't hire him, including the Washington commanders. But um, he's another one where, like, he's not going to play the game. He's not going to politic. He's not going to shuck and jive. You ask him a question, he's going to give you a direct answer. But if you can't handle it, if you're not a big enough boy to handle it, then, uh, you know, I, I guess you should, you know, hire somebody who you think is, is going to make, you know, life easier. But why, are you, why is your franchise so crappy in the first place? Like, what, what do you really need? What, 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 it's not what you want to hear. What do you need to hear? A lot of people can't handle what they need to hear. So he'll get a job. Like, there's no way he's not getting one next year. Um, and, yeah, I'm surprised, uh, but some of these teams were dead set on hiring an offensive guy, and some of these teams are so worried about how everybody gets along and, you know, who's going to sit with who at the lunch table in the cafeteria. Like, I mean, if you're interested in that crap, then Vrabel's probably not your guy. Are there any of these coaching hires that did get made this cycle before we let you get out of here that you, that you feel like – they really nailed it. Like this is a, that was a shrewd hire. People are going to look. We have, we're not appreciating how good that hire is right now. Well, I, I, look, I don't. I mean, as someone who's watched, you know, and dissected everything Mike McDonald's done here in Baltimore, um, you know, I, look, I thought Seattle was going to hire Mike Vrabel, and there's a, an existing relationship between the GM John Schneider and Vrabel. And obviously, you know, I think for ownership and some other reasons, that wasn't a fit, and that's fine. And they kept an, an open uh, mind about the process. And they continue to watch what McDonald did, which is shut out the best offenses in football and the best offensive minds week after week after week. Uh, and I love what he's done bringing Leslie Frazier in there to help him out because this is uncharted territory for him. And they've got some athletes there who I think will prosper with him. And maybe he brings a Patrick Queen um, into that locker room as well, somebody who already understands his defense inside and out in the linebacker position. So, um Look, he 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 unmasked Kyle Shanahan on national TV. Like he went into Kyle's backyard and outcoached him from the first snap of that game to the last, uh, and he dismantled that whole family tree. You know, he faced all those guys down the stretch here, and the only one who got him was McVeigh. Um, but he'll learn from that, and and that's fine. Well, Jason, thank you so much uh, for making so much time for us here during Super Bowl week. I know this is a crazy week uh, for you guys, NFL guys. Thank you so much. I really do appreciate it. Okay, you got it, man. Yep. All right, Jason Lockin' for there in Baltimore. Good stuff uh, from him. And as you can tell, uh, good stuff from him there. Uh, a lot of sore, kind of hard feelings uh, about the way that that AFC Championship game went for the Ravens. And in particular, I think the uh, lingering feeling that a lot of it was self-inflicted, which I think you can understand. Uh, but good stuff uh, from him there on all of that. We'll take a quick break here and be right back on The Drive on I Thought the Bell.